Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. I want to just continue the series that we've been on. Last week we had Pastor Christian share an awesome message and talking about shepherds and the need for shepherding in our lives and finding out who our shepherds are. And surrounding that, we've been on this series where we've been talking about our belief systems. The things that we think about, the things that we internally discuss, the things that really, in a lot of ways, make us us. You see, our thoughts are so incredibly important because it's our thoughts that dictate the way that we perceive, not just ourselves, but the situations around us, the world around us, and even God. And so if we're not aware of our thinking, if we're not aware of the belief systems that we have built our life upon, very often we'll end up in situations over and over and over again wondering, how did I get here? It's because our programming has been set in such a way that we are continually arriving in the same destination because we're taking the same roads to get there, even if we want to go someplace else. And so what we want to do is to examine our thoughts, examine our thinking. And so we started off with the first three pillars, and today we're going to be ending on the fourth and the final pillar. Number one, the first pillar of our thought that we want to build upon the foundation of Jesus is that we are known by God, that we are known by God himself. And when we know that he knows us, it gives us the freedom to tear down the walls that we've built in our lives. To be able to understand that the God of the universe knows us deeply and intimately. That he knows everything about us and and more than just knowing us, he knows what we have been designed to do, who we've been designed to be. To be known by God is incredibly freeing when we understand what this really means. Not only are we known by God, but we are loved by God. That God loves us deeply intimately and unconditionally that when we know the god of the universe loves us that he gave jesus to restore us back to right relationship with him it gives us the freedom to continue to walk into our identity but we don't want to stop there because if we know that we're known and we know that we're loved we also have to know that we have been called we have been called can you just say this with me today i have been called I have been called by God, which is such an incredible thought to think about when God speaks to Jeremiah and says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. Before you even took your first breath, before you even had an opportunity to screw anything up, I knew who you were. I loved you and I've called you to something. You see, knowing that we're called is such an important thing because we have to understand that we have purpose. But as we said a couple weeks ago, when we talk about being called, it's not this kind of far out idea, this ethereal thing of, oh, I have a calling. No, it means that God, the God of the universe, is calling out your name. It means that whoever you are, wherever you've come from, whatever you've been through in your life, God is calling out to you and he's, he's saying, I have something for you. I have something that I died to give you. I have a life that I have established for you in the heavenly places and I'm calling you to join in with my purpose. See, this idea of being called is so, so very important and we see this in the life of Jeremiah. We saw that God chose him 
And we see that God also chooses each one of us. Now, as we continue today, we are going to go into the, the final of the, the four pillars. But before we do it, I want to look a little bit more about this idea of being called. And we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4 today, starting in verses 1 through 6. And we're going to read out of the New King James Version. And this is not a version I normally read out of, but I was looking at this Bible. This is actually Pastor Damiani's Bible. Pastor Ellis Damiani, who many of you would know from, let's be honest, decades past. But I was here, don't worry. I knew Pastor D. But an incredible pastor of this church. And when I was reading through this, I was like, wow, he liked Ephesians like, just as much as I did. This, this chapter is highlighted. There's notes in it. I love it. And so I just thought it would be a little special to read from, from this Bible today. So Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. See, Paul speaks about calling, and he touches on it a few times, four different times, just in these six verses. And the word that is used for calling is the Greek word klesis. And this word really needs to be a foundational point in what we're talking about here today. A calling, according to this word in the Greek, is an invitation of a divine nature. To be called means that you are being invited into a divine nature. Now, there's two parts of this I want us to see. Number one, we are being invited from the divine, from the king of the universe. We're being, we have an invitation from heaven, and it's to a divine calling. This is a little more powerful than the response that I'm getting right now. <laughs> to be called means that you are being given a personal invitation from heaven to walk into a new identity, into a divine identity, into an identity that is based out of your position in Christ in the heavenly places. You see, once again, being called is not just this nice idea that I'm a Christian and I have a calling. To be called means that you have a specific and a unique calling from the divine into the divine from heaven into earth to be able to walk in something that God has designed for you before you ever even took your first breath. This word calling is significant here today. And so Paul talks about this calling. He says, you are not just called to walk on earth as a being or a human being, but you are called to walk with the understanding that you have an identity given to you by the king of kings. That the king of kings has reserved a position for you in his kingdom that is meant to transcend and be a part of every single aspect of your life. I just don't think we fully get it, and I don't know that we'll ever fully get it on this earth, to understand what it means to be called by God, to know that this calling is meant to not just be a part of our life on Sunday mornings 
or on Monday when we have a little bit of carryover from the anointing from the beautiful worship, or, or maybe throughout the week when we're just reading our Bible, that the calling of God, that the divine nature and invitation from God himself is meant to be a part of every single aspect of our lives. That if we would allow it to be a part of our lives, if we would invite him into those places, that there wouldn't be a place, there wouldn't be a single situation that would not be affected by his goodness, his glory, his provision, by all that he has for us. Once again, when we are called by God, we have to understand that our lives, that your life, it has infinite value, infinite worth infinite purpose. We continue to read in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 6 through 7. It says that he raised us up with him and he seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. To be called means that we have been seated with him in the heavenly places. We've been seated with Christ. We've been given a divine invitation to walk in a new identity. And so this is what Paul is talking about here in chapter 4. And then we get to verse 7. He says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay, so he says, You have been called, all of you, all of us, into one body, by one God, through one Holy Spirit, to pursue one Christ who is Jesus. All of this is one. You are all together. You are a family. And what you have been given is meant to be a part of this family. One part influencing and affecting and, and building up another part. He says that we are all part of the same family. But he starts off verse 7 with the word, but. It, it means that he's connecting the previous thought, which is we are all one, into a new thought. He says, but... To each one of us, grace was given. So what he's saying here is that we are all one body, one family. We all have one ultimate purpose in pursuing Christ. But to each one of us was given a unique grace so that we could walk in something that God has designed for each one of us uniquely. So we are all the body of Christ. We are all pursuing him together but God has also called each one of us to walk in something very unique. It's all on the foundation of Christ, but it is to connect us to this understanding that we as individuals have a part to play. We as individuals are called to do something unique. I am known by God. I am loved by God. I am called by God. And because he has given me a unique calling, I have to also know pillar number four which is what we're walking into now, which is that I am equipped by God. I haven't just been called, I have also been equipped by God. You see, in verse 7 he says, but to each one of us grace was given. Let's just look at those three words for a moment. Grace was given. Paul very easily at this point could have said gifts were given, Specific talents and pursuits and passions were given because ultimately this is what he's talking about. But what he says very intentionally is that grace was given. This is really important for us to see this because, as with everything in Christ, we have to understand yes, I have been called, 
I have been uniquely called, but the only way that I am going to walk into those gifts, walk into that calling, is through the grace of God. It's not through my own ability that I'm going to walk into this unique calling. It's not through my own ability that I am going to be equipped. It's not through my own talents, my own giftings in a a physical sense, not through my own experiences and the things that I've done right. It's through the grace of God that I am equipped to walk into the calling that he has for us. I want to put it this way. You have been called and created to be a vehicle to bring a representation of Christ to the world around you. But you were not called to be the base model. You were called to be a vehicle for God. And if you did it on your own, you could probably do it okay. But, but through the grace of God, you have been called to, to walk into the fully loaded version of what this looks like. I, I remember when I was younger, I had a, a car. And it was, an, it was a fairly nice car. It was a graduation present. And I remember being at a traffic light and someone pulled up next to me and they were like, roll down your window. And I was like, I can't. And they're like, roll down your window. I was like, I, I, can't, I can't do it. It's a crank. And it's, it's all the way on the other side of the car. I can't reach. And the lady was getting so frustrated with me that I wasn't opening my window. And I just couldn't do it. It, it, was, it was a nice car, but it was the base model. Can I tell you that you were not created to be the base model? That in Christ, you haven't just been called, but you've been equipped. You've been fully equipped. Ephesians 1 says that you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You have been equipped, not just called, but you have been given what you need. You are able to walk into the places that God has called you to walk into, knowing that you have the grace that he has made possible for each one of us. Paul says something similar in his letter to the Romans. Romans chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. He said, So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So each one of us has gifts, each gift is unique, and each gift is a different representation of God. And each gift is according to the grace that has been given to each one of us, to the grace that has been apportioned to us. So Jesus himself has not just called us, but then he has given us a portion of grace, it says. He's given us a measure of grace. Now, does this mean that he gives to some a little bit of grace and to some a lot of grace? And to those who get the little bit amount of grace, they just get to do something real small? Like you just got a little bit of grace. Sometimes we get caught up on this word measure or portion. I want to tell you today that you have not just been given a little bit of grace. You have been given the full measure of grace. Okay? The full measure of grace, which means that whatever you have been gifted for, you have the full measure of grace that you need to be able to walk in the fullness of that calling. Ephesians 1.8 says that Christ has lavished his grace on us. That he was not stingy. That he didn't say, oh, Christian, you just get a little bit of grace. Just a tiny bit, but George, you get a whole lot of grace. 
He gives us the full measure of grace for the gift that he has given us for what we have been called to walk into. I'll use another analogy here today. I don't know a whole lot about baking, but I've watched my wife do it. She's really good at it. And what I've realized is that when you're baking, from what I'm told at least, there is a specific like recipe that you have to follow. In cooking, you can be a little bit more generous in different areas, but in baking, it's very precise. And when I've looked at baking recipes, I see that there are some ingredients that you use a whole lot more of than others, right? Flour, you use a lot of. Baking soda, you use a little bit of. If you were to reverse those, it wouldn't taste very good, would it? If you would, if you would use as much salt as you use flour, nobody's going to want to eat that. There is a full measure of each ingredient that is meant to be put into the recipe. And unless the full measure is put into the recipe, it's not going to turn out the way that you want it to. For each one of us, Christ has given us the full measure to the gift that we are called to walk in. And when we bring our gift and we bring it together in the body of Christ, we are called to walk together to bring it to its fullness to be able to reach the world for Jesus. Each one of us has to know that we have been given the full measure of grace that we need to become who he's called us to be. And this is also why it's so very important for each one of us to come to church, to be present in church. I feel like I'm going to go off on a, on a little rabbit trail here for a second. I probably shouldn't. Someone told me recently that in America, regular church attendance means that you come one out of every four Sundays. Once a month. That's regular church attendance. Now, I don't have to speak to anybody here today. You guys are here. But for your friends, maybe you want to tell them, once a month? That's not regular church attendance. We always say this, you have something on your life that somebody else needs. There is something that you are meant to bring to the table in the full measure of the grace that you have been given that somebody else is waiting for that somebody else needs to receive from. There is something that is specific to your life that God has designed you and created you to be able to walk in an identity in the fullness of that identity so that we can reach the world, but also so that the body of Christ would be edified. So I want to ask this question then, how are we equipped? Yes, we've been equipped through the grace of God, but I, I really see that it's important that we take the time to to look at how specifically we're being equipped. Because if we don't know how we're being equipped, very often we will go back to that mindset like I just spoke about, where we feel like it's dependent on our own ability. If we don't understand that the equipping comes from Christ and Christ alone, we will continually go back into the places where we feel like we have to do everything right in order to see God's gifts and his grace in operation in our lives. Our belief systems, once again, are so important, and that's why we take the time now to examine where we think our gifts come from. We examine how we are able to walk in the grace of God. So Paul speaks about this in verses 8 and 9. He says, uh, he quotes from Psalm chapter 68, verse 18, and it says that when he ascended on high, speaking of Jesus, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. And then he goes on to say in verses 9 and 10 to give this context. He says, now this, 
he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Okay, what is he saying here? This part matters. Why is he talking about Jesus ascending and descending? What is, what is the purpose in this? Well, we know that when Jesus died on the cross, he took the full weight of sin and shame and brokenness, all of the brokenness of humanity upon his back. And we know that afterwards he was buried and three days later he rose again, right? He ascended to sit at the right hand of God. But why is Paul talking about this right now in the midst of talking about the grace that we have to walk in the gifts? It's because he needs to point out here that when Jesus died on the cross and he finally died, he said it is finished, that there was still one more thing that needed to be done. That he didn't just leave the cross and ascend into heaven. It says he descended, which means that him and Satan, they had, they had an appointment. He went down into hell and he said, Satan, listen, did you see what I just did? Because you thought you just had the victory right there. You thought that you, you killed me. You thought that that was over. But guess what? I just paid the price that could never be paid except through one who had no sin. And now I am taking back the authority that had been forfeited by man when he had sinned in the garden. And this is so important when we're talking about our gifts because we have to understand that Jesus didn't just pay for our salvation. He went and he took the authority back. But the authority is not just that we get to pray with authority, although that is a major part of it. It's not just that we get to speak into the spiritual realm and that we get to, to speak to demons and we get to, to cast them out, that we get to bind things and, and loose things in the spiritual realm. It is also that he restored the authority that God had given to mankind to walk in the perfect calling that he had designed us to walk into. When Jesus died, it was a complete and it was a finished work. It wasn't just that we get to spend eternity in heaven. It's that he was restoring us back to the original design of the creator. You see, sometimes we look at gifts and we look at spiritual gifts especially and we think about it as this New Testament concept and, and something that happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell. But in truth, the gifts of God the gifts of the Spirit, they've been present from the very moment that God spoke the universe into motion. That when God designed Adam and Eve, he designed them to walk in the fullness of the identity that he had created for mankind. This means that when Jesus restored humanity back to right standing with God through his blood, it means that we are now stepping back into the place of the original design. Do you think that for Adam and Eve, hearing from God, walking with God, having discernment and wisdom, do you think these were foreign concepts? Do you? Okay, good. Just checking. Just making sure. Because I assure you they weren't, right? When they were walking with God in the coolness of the garden, we look at the gift of prophecy and we, we look at it as this spiritual thing that is like so far off and only certain people are meant to prophesy. 
And yes, there is the office of a prophet. And we'll go deeper into that, if not today, maybe next week. But there is this ability to hear and to walk with God. This is what Adam and Eve were doing. They were walking in the fullness of their design. And so when we ask the question, where do our gifts come from? Where, how are we equipped? It's by realizing that Jesus went and he restored everything back to the place that it was meant to be. It was a restoration of the equipping that God had originally bestowed in the garden. Do you know what this means for us? That the gifts of the Spirit, that prophecy, discernment, wisdom, hearing from God, pursuing and and knowing the heart of God, that these are not meant to be foreign concepts to us. That these are not meant to be ideas that we have when everything in our life is perfectly lined up and we are in the perfect situation and and we've done all the things that we needed to do and now maybe just maybe God's going to speak to me. I I know this is where it gets a little bit touchy because I'm not saying go live however you want to live and then just expect to walk in the gifts of the Spirit, right? But do you understand that you are not responsible to make the gifts of the Spirit of God operational in your life? That it is through Christ and Christ alone? We have to understand the source of what we are called to walk in. It is through Jesus. It is through his death and his resurrection. It is through the restoring where he made all things new by restoring them back to the place of what God had designed it to be. You see, when Jesus paid the price, he restored the connection, also known as grace, that we would be able to walk in operation of the gifts in accordance with the unique call that he has placed on our lives. See, these gifts are God-given. They're not meant to be acquired, but something that we are to understand that in Christ we already have them. I feel like we may just need to like, camp out here for the rest of the message here today. Do you understand that these gifts are already yours, church? Do you really understand that these gifts are already yours? If he knew you before you took your first breath on earth, if he called you, if he he appointed to you the grace that you need, if he has died and rose again, was seated in heavenly places, and called us to be seated with him in those heavenly places, do we understand that what the Bible talks about is already our possession? By the 25% of you that clapped, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think that we may have some work to do here. This, this, is, this is real, church. It's too late. I don't want to hear it anymore. Jesus did it all. But unless we understand that these are ours, given to us by God, we're not going to pursue them. We are going to accept the base model life. We're going to accept less than because we don't think that what he has made possible is actually accessible. It's not through your ability. Yes, there are requirements of us. Yes, there is a standard that we are called to live in. Yes, we need to make sure that our thoughts are in alignment with the truth of the word of God. It's not to say that there is nothing required of us, but it is to say that the starting point is the understanding that it all comes from him. 
that Jesus did all that needed to be done. All right, so I just want to read a couple of passages here. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. It says, And he, Jesus, himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We're going to touch on this in a moment, but when we ask the question, what are we equipped for? We have to understand that we are equipped for the body. We are not equipped for our own like ego to feel special about ourselves, to be like, hey, look at the gifts that I got. Our gifts are for the edification of the body of Christ. Our gifts are meant to draw all men unto Jesus. That's what our gifts are for. And yes, there are some specific gifts here. We're going to look also at the letter to the Romans, Romans 12 verses 3 through 8. It echoes a lot of what he says here in Ephesians 4. He says, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Once again, the grace that Christ gives to us is what allows us to operate in the gifts that he's given us. Okay? So according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 14, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, and to the another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. This recaps everything. It all comes from Jesus. To each one, he is given a unique gift. And it is as the Holy Spirit would apportion to you to walk in the fullness of what God has called you to walk into. But as we read these different passages, we do see that there is a pretty lengthy list that starts to develop. And we can put that on the screen now, just because there's, there's a lot that he touches on here. There's the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelistic, the pastoral, and the teaching, going back to the shepherds that Pastor Christian talked about last week. Those are the offices, and and we're going to talk more about that uh, in the weeks to come. But then there are service, exhortation, generosity, leadership, mercy. All the things you see on the screen here are just out of these verses that we just read. And this is by no means the exhaustive list. That in the Spirit of God, that there are gifts that each one of us are called to walk in. That there are assignments from heaven. Remember, calling, a divine invitation. A divine invitation and being equipped with the gifts that you need to fully walk in what you have been called to do. But we start to look at this list and we start to feel like, okay, I don't know if I have one of those. We start to look at this list and think, well, 
maybe I just don't have one. Maybe I'm just not good enough. If anyone thinks that today, I want you just to lift up your right hand right next to your face and just give it a good swat. There is no one in this room, no one watching online, that is exempt from being called by God, loved by God, known by God, and equipped by God. Sometimes we we just don't think that we're good enough, special enough. People have told us that we're not good enough. Once again, belief systems. What do you believe to be true about him and what do you believe to be true about you? Because if what you believe to be true about you is not defined by the truth of who he actually is, you are going to diminish who he has created you to be. We have to know that he has called us and he has equipped us. Therefore, it is our responsibility to figure out, to pursue and to understand who he's called us to be and what he's called us to walk in. But I want to just touch on one more principle here today. I don't think we're going to be able to finish this message today, but it's okay. We'll, we have next week. You see, before we get overwhelmed by any of the gifts that we're called to walk in, before we start to feel like, man, I just don't know what my gift is. I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what God has divinely invited me to walk into. We have to understand that more important than the gift that you carry is the gift that you are. More important than any specific gift that you can see on the screen or read in the Word is the gift that you are to God. You see, when we look at gifting, we have to ask, where does any gifting come from? It comes from God. Who is God? He's our perfect Father. As a perfect Father, what matters more? The gifts that are presented to Him or the relationship that He has with you? You see, I love my kids and I love watching them operate in their gifts. My son, is, he is intentional. He is, he is smart. He he likes to draw, he likes to color, he likes to build things, he likes to do all of these things. He loves to, to use his hands to build different things, and I love watching him do that. And sometimes he comes and says, Daddy, look, I drew you this picture, and I love it. My daughter, she is, she's passionate. She's vocal. She's very vocal. She uses her gifts in different ways. She's beautiful though, and she loves to sing, and she loves to dance, and she loves to do all these things. And I love watching her operate in the gifts God has given her. And I'm like, God, I don't know what you're going to do in her, but I know it's going to be something special. (laughs) But way more than watching them operate in their gifts is when I get to put them to bed and get the hug and kiss before bed. When I get to come home from work and they greet me at the door and they run and they give me a hug. When they just randomly during the day are like, Daddy, I love you and I just want to give you a hug. Like That to me means so much more than anything they could ever do. And if I, as an earthly father, feel that way, imagine how our heavenly father feels. Imagine how he feels when we take the time to say, God, I'm just going to lay something aside right now because I just want to spend some time with you. Imagine how he feels when 
we're not just working to do all the things that need to be done, but we're stopping to say, Abba, what are you saying right now? You see, it's our relationship with Him that matters really more than anything else, and it's out of this place. It's out of this relationship. It's out of this understanding of what grace really is that we can begin to operate in the fullness of what He's called us to walk in. To understand that He has created us uniquely as a representation of who He is, that we're called to be those that show His beauty to the world, and and it's about knowing Him first. It's about walking with our God. It's about understanding what He's called us to do. It's then that we're able to be able to walk in this. And it's maybe then that we stop comparing ourselves to others and their gifts. When we realize there's something that God has given me to walk in, and there's something He's given you to walk in, and there's something He's given you to walk in, and every one of us. You might look at the worship team and be like, listen how beautiful that they sang today. And I sound like, like the humpback whale in Finding Nemo. Like, like it, you, you might look at these things and think, I don't have what they have, and, and compare yourself to them. No, in relationship, we come before the Father and we realize that He has given us exactly what we need to walk in. The full measure of who He's called us to be. It's in relationship that we start to see these things. And, and I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1-3. through 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and I deliver up my body to be burned, but not love, I gain nothing. You are known, you are loved, you are called, and you are equipped, and the foundation of all of it is who Jesus is, our relationship with Him, and knowing that we are called to walk in the love that he has for us. Everything we have is meant to be given to the world around us, to show them who he is, to build up the body of Christ, to equip one another. This is who we've been called to be.